Dying Alive is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Did you know that Penguin tickets, uh, prices tend to drop right before the game starts? GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, then shows you all the best last-minute deals, with prices up to 60% off. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the GameTime app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. Let's say you're traveling to New York. You're going to go see the Penguins play the Islanders. You're looking to get tickets as soon as you get there. You go to the Game Time app. You're worried that you're going to get one of those crazy basketball seats that gives you a restricted view of the ice. Don't worry because Game Time has in-app panoramic seat view photos from every section in the arena. The app is simple, quick, and easy to navigate. So head on over to the App Store or the Play Store now to download Game Time and score awesome deals on last-minute tickets. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, the Food and Drug Administration has advised me to warn you that never teach a pig to say it's the Dying Alive podcast. This week, it's not climate change, it's just Brian Russ' point scoring streak. Tristan Jari is also partially responsible for this increase in global temperatures. Uh, Evgeny Malkin scores his 400th goal, clearly not a top 100 player of all time. And uh, take a little trip around Penguin Land. It's the Dying Alive uh, podcast. Jesse Marshall of the Athletic Pittsburgh, joined as always by the rest of the Dying Alive crew, Patrick Damp of the Penn's blog. Say hello, Patrick. Hey, Jesse. Hell of an intro there, man. That was that was yeah. absolutely fantastic. One of your best, if I Mike, ever say so myself. Oh, I appreciate it. Uh, Mike Darnay of the uh, Pennsburg.com. No the, no the, just Pennsburg.com. No, ar- no articles of speech. Before that, no. no I um, hi, I would like to start my introduction with an apology. Oh, let's uh, please. Uh, last week's episode, I did not feel well. I was in a very bad mood, and I mailed the entire episode in, and I apologize to everyone for that. Yeah, and that in that in that uh, spirit, let me also apologize. I we we made that episode last minute. It was not at all our best effort. So thank you guys that listened. We really appreciate it. <laughs> Let me issue an apology uh, for not even being present for the last episode. You, this one will be better. You, this one will be better. You somehow had the best effort of last week's episode, Jesse. says a lot that I can't tell the difference between Mike's regular performances and the one he mailed oh. it on. Flamed. All right, see ya. Speaking of flames, oh, there's several, way, there's several directions I could take this. The first one could be to talk about the game. The second one to be to talk about Brian Rust or Tristan yeah. Jari. Yeah. Um, I guess we probably ought to just start there. Raise your hand uh, audibly. Maybe just say I or yay if you thought that Brian Rust was going to be the player uh, that in the midst of the injury crises uh, was going to lift the Penguins up to the promised land. Anybody who raises their hand deserves for it to be broken. Wow, okay. Maybe maybe just slaps. Do it. We don't have to go no, swinging no, hammers no, on people here. Nope, no, we're breaking hands. I was just going right. to stay silent because I wasn't someone who thought that. <laughs> I ha- I didn't think it either. And I think that we're all probably, to some extent, used to two types of Brian Rust. The first kind is the one that scores in some kind of really big moment, <laughs> as in a game seven. Yeah. Uh, the other one is one that goes for long stretches of time without scoring at all. Yeah, absolutely. this is this is not a game seven. 
uh, and he's pretty clearly not in a slump. So we're in uncharted territory, I think it's fair to say. I think, too, though, you can make a case that he, for the better part of two years, has been kind of building toward this. Like, he's always had a level of of playing a, a style that fits so well into Sullivan's system. And when this team is playing well, it only helps him. And I think we're seeing that right now. Yeah, and I, I feel like he's finally <clears throat> hitting a stride where for the longest time, all you heard was Brian Rust hasn't done anything since he signed that new contract. And I think he's finally hitting that stride now where everyone might be content. I don't think it hurts that he's playing with Evgeny Malkin and Jake Gensel. No, and that's definitely something that we touched on a tiny bit last week, but we should probably touch on more is like what a player Jake Gensel is, man. I don't have anything to add to that. I'm like, I mean, this poops all over the theory. And by the way, let me just make mention this theory is a, a theory that I believe to be wholly external to Pittsburgh. Uh, but it poops on the theory that he can't, uh, you know, produce outside of playing with Sidney Crosby. Now, that's not to say Evgeny Malkin's not a generational player in his own right. But lest we forget, Evgeny Malkin did not play Saturday night against the Los Angeles Kings. And I still think that Jake Ensel looked pretty darn good yeah. playing at center. Well, and I, I, I've brought it up on this podcast before. I remember it was either Adam or Derek, one of the original uh, OGs of the Pens blog, who always brought up this this kind of theory, I guess you could say, of national media parachuting into the Penguins to where you don't see the team day-to-day and as often as Penguins fans or Penguins media does – to where they have a certain narrative in mind of a player. And, you know, you see a guy playing so well along Sidney Crosby that it's very easy to adopt the idea that, oh, well, you know, he's playing on Crosby's wing, so obviously Crosby's elevating his his game. So people see how well Jake Gensel has done the last couple of years alongside Crosby, and it's just very easy to reflexively say, well, you know, this guy is really good because he's playing with Sidney Crosby. And people who don't get to see the way the guy plays on a day-to-day basis don't understand the fact that he does a lot of things really well and that he is actually a very good <laughs> hockey player in his own right, not just because of Crosby. I posted, yeah. you know, I posted, uh, well, he's a coach. I always say this about him, but he's a coach's kid, right? Mm-hmm. So. You know, most the majority of the things that you see him do on the ice are the you know small sort of innocuous things that don't get a lot of people don't give a lot of credit. So one of those things is last night I put this on Twitter. Brian Russ' uh, goal on the wraparound there, the Soto wraparound, the wide wraparound. Uh, you know, one of the reasons that Rust had the space to make that play is is one because Travis uh, uh, Hamannick did nothing. <laughs> He did absolutely nothing in the whole sequence. The other one is because Jay Gensel planted himself about six, seven feet out in front of the net, not quite in the slot, but not quite in the crease, and drew two defenders in tight to him. Uh, you know, a- any defenseman's going to know that they have to be on the lookout for Jake Gensel. Trust me, when you're when you're video planning for the Penguins, that's getting covered in the you know in the pregame video analysis. So you know they bite on that Gensel's you know, harmless there in front of the net. He's not even facing the, the right direction. Uh, <laughs> and, and 
but that gives the space to Russ to be able to go through and, and, and get that shot on net. So, you know, again, that's a small time thing. No point for that. You know, Jake Gensel doesn't get a point on that. Maybe, did he get a point on that? Yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. It, the point I'm trying to make is that it's a small time thing of him just f- fulfilling a smart responsibility, um, you know, in trans, you know, in the middle of an offensive sequence uh, that ends up playing a critical role in the end result. And, one that we're probably not going to get a lot of people talking about. Yeah. And kind of to piggyback off what you said about teams planning on video and things. uh, I feel like it reminds me uh, if we go back to the 2017 playoffs against Columbus, when Jake Gensel scored a hat trick, um, I believe it was game three. uh, There was a goal where he kind of set himself up in the slot, lifted an opponent's stick to then be ready for a one timer. It's like that. Goal always reminds me of just the kind of play Jake Gensel always makes. If if Jake Gensel was a beer league player and I was playing against him, I'd be sitting on the bench bitching about how he's a tryhard. <laughs> like, oh, this fucking tryhard out here. Like, stick with like, how, how, how many how many goals does this guy need to score tonight? Yeah, you're in the big time now, buddy. You can see here. That's what I would do. Which is anybody who does that to you is just a f- clever way of them telling you you're good, um, and they're annoyed by it. At least I don't know. I'm speaking for my, you know, it's how I treated it. Um, but anyway, since the last show, um, undefeated Penguins haven't lost. Uh, they got a one nothing win against the Blue Jackets, which was like a real. Here's the reason I'm bringing this up because we're we're gonna paint like the variety of styles of of game here. You've got the real just slug it out one nothing, you know, defensive muck fest in Columbus. You've got the five four shootout win in LA where there wasn't a lot of defense in either direction for either team and it was a little fire wagon at times. And you have a four one win last night, which I thought was hallmarked by just a absolutely horrific first period. Um and a game that even despite that was still up for grabs. Maybe we paint that third one as the game that the, the goaltender stole, truly stole. Um, I don't know. I think that, that, that despite all the odds and everything that's been thrown at this team, uh, you've got three really different wins there um, that I think speak to the team's ability to kind of get it done in any variety of fashion. Yeah, I think that sums up the state of the team right now. That I mean, for me personally, with how injury – ravaged they are i have very little expectation of what to expect night in and night out and they keep winning can i can i push back on you for a second jesse i guess i would kind of make the argument that i mean like i while i don't disagree that la like the first or not la uh calgary the first period definitely is a hat tip to jari i would say la was more so of one now granted L.A. didn't have a ton of A-plus chances against the Penguins, but they had possession of the puck the majority of that game, and the Penguins still pulled out a win. And I think a lot of that is to Jari's credit. Sure, I mean, you're not going <laughs> to... You're not going to immediately think of goaltending in a game where you allowed four goals. No, no, no. I mean, realistically, like, I'm not, I'm though, Pat, say, that's... I'm not, I'm not saying he That's the thread. It. But what I'm saying is he... In a way, the way I look at it is... Considering how 
badly outshot the Penguins in the first two periods. And basically, if you look at the the uh, the the analytics of that game, especially the Corsi four percentages of that game, LA had the puck the majority of the game, and yeah, obviously you give up four goals. It's not your goalie making the or stealing the game, but he definitely was a factor that it wasn't a blowout as opposed to a shootout win. Sure, that's not what my point was, though. My point was that it was kind of a fire-wagging game, and the Penguins had a lot of high-quality chances. Um, I mean, I, look, at the end of the day, Tristan Jari's the thread between all three of these games. Oh, 100%. And you go back even to the – I thought the Penguins slaughtered Columbus. Um, oh, yeah, but, they kicked Columbus's ass. <laughs> But it's tough for a goaltender to go for really long stretches of game and not have to do anything, right? So that's like a unique challenge for him in and of itself is in that game, the puck wasn't in the Penguins' end for a ton of time. Uh, and, and Columbus had chances, but they were like in pockets. And I think, um, I think that I said it last week. Um, the biggest thing right now before people start you know, going on their goaltender controversy narratives is – with the injuries this team has right now and the lineup that they've been putting out there for the last couple of weeks, this isn't a Murray versus Jari type thing. It's a you are in December and points are at a premium. You cannot afford to have a bad couple of weeks, so you have to play the hot hand. Um, that's all it is for me. I mean, yeah. yeah. I was going to uh, make a note about Matt Murray. I thought it was pretty cool. I can't remember who reported it. Um, and I think it was during last night's game um, when Zach Aston Reese had a deflection goal, said that he had input from the bench from Matt Murray on um, specific ways to deflect goals that would be effective from a goalie's perspective. And I thought that was pretty cool that he's chiming in from the bench, even though he's on the bench and hasn't been playing well. Well, I mean, you know, I'm sure much to the dismay of the people who irrationally dislike the man because yeah. ipso facto, he's the reason that your other favorite player yeah. is not in the yeah. city anymore. Uh, Matt Murray's all about this team winning. Yeah. Um, has been a complete professional throughout his time here. Yeah, I mean, we shouldn't expect anything other than what I just said, but it, I mean, it's sad that we have to point it out. Correct. Maybe exactly. Yeah, exactly. I guess that's yes. it. Yeah. And I think it's interesting that you know. It, that, it's that, sad that I felt that I should point it out. Sure. Okay, I agree with that. Yeah. And I don't. And I think if you're out there uh, somewhere writing or penning a, um, you know, uh, obituary, so, so to speak, of Matt Murray's career, I'd put the the, the pen down because um, <laughs> you know this isn't you know this, this isn't a situation where Matt Murray's career is over. And I've seen takes that are like, well, that's it. It's, it's, it, it was a good run. Nah, man, goaltending is just super volatile. Yeah. You know, I mean, look at what Connor Hellebuck is doing in Winnipeg now, right? I mean, it's, it's also amusing to me that you have people saying that's it. It's done. It's over with when we endured how many playoffs with the other goaltender? Well, putting, putting, the, putting goaltender 29 aside – Okay. (laughs) Here's the other thing. I said it last week. I'll say it again. If you are going to only use Matt Murray's struggles in November to position yourself into a narrative that he's lost the net, 
you are completely ignoring how well he played in October just yeah. to fulfill said narrative. Yeah. It's almost as if goaltending, again, is is volatile and, uh, you know, unpredictable in, in nature. This is why – this is a great example of why people talk about shot attempts and, and puck possession and expected goals because – Goal scoring and goaltending don't listen to reason. Uh, and the one thing you can't control is the process behind the scenes. So it's just a little snippet there. Um, Evgeny Malkin doesn't want to talk about his 400th career goal. He thinks that having a special interview for number 400 is a stupid thing to do. Uh, and <laughs> suggest, um, that feels like peak Evgeny Malkin. Yeah, and then it's suggested to Rob Rossi uh, that uh, he come back in a couple years um, and quote, we'll do an interview after 500. I like that'll, it. That'll be a good Gino interview for you. That's that's good. That's really good. Um, the man knows what the press needs. Okay, he's he a man, of the, the pe- man of the people. The man can. The man ways, can cut a promo. Ways, not, he, nobody cuts a promo like Evgeny Malkin. Nobody. I mean, and one of the best can, there is I on mean, the mic. Can you imagine if that was a video promo of I'm not talking. Come back after number 500. I'll tell you what, too. Um, no, because he ended up talking. Uh, <laughs> and he told Rob, you know, he it's a great story on The Athletic. You know, uh, he told Rob his favorite goal was the Carolina goal, which yeah. I think lines up with just about everything um, we all would have ever said about him. <laughs> like, I think anyone put, that's making a list is putting that one at the top. I, I think that's number two for me. Number one is the breakaway slap shot against Philadelphia. I love that. Oh. Only because he got blasted by Mike Richards right before. He finally um, finally got up and made it back to the blue line just was it Joe, to get the puck. I think Joe Beninati was the one that accused them of basket hanging. Yep, that was yes. the call. Yeah. Yeah. Getty Malkin, yeah. basket hanging. Score! Yeah. <laughs> Buddy, let me tell you, he'd know it if he saw it. That was the <laughs> that was prime Alex Ovechkin back, basket hanging era. Um Anyway, long story short, uh, Malkin. If oh, here's what I wanted to say, guys. Let's see the Penguins went on and have like this unbelievable cup winning season. Will we not look back in the DVD at I'm on fire as the most exciting turning point of Absolutely. the whole run? Absolutely, the, the, the fire alarm going off and the whole. Um, I mean, he said he was going to go on fire, and then he did. He literally did, and so much so that he set his line mates ablaze as well. <laughs> um, Let's let uh, let's talk about Sidney Crosby because while this has all been going on and the Penguins have been winning games and uh, I know the Islanders have some game like two games in hand as at the time of this recording but the Penguins uh, are a mere two points behind them now so you've got that going on um, all the while Sidney Crosby is in the midst of week five of his rehabilitation stint and is skating on his own and has been skating on his own. I am going to make a bold prediction. Are you ready? I want to be very clear that I'm not basing this on any inside information. This is not an Eklund esque insider take. Is this a J three J four? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think Sidney Crosby is going to play in one of the two games against Nashville. That would be their back-to-back 
the first one's next Thursday and then obviously Friday. So that would put him right at the six week mark. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's just my gut because you've got a little five day break there before yeah. uh, would over Christmas, you know, before getting into the, the Nashville game. And I just have a hunch maybe by this weekend he, sh- he shows up with the team. Yeah. And um, I mean, aside from expecting when he's going to come back, I'm sure it helps keep his mind at ease that the team is winning games and playing well while he's on the shelf. Well, it means you don't have to rush him, right? Yeah. Yeah. And probably reinforces the whole decision-making process of having surgery. Sorry. I, uh, who was that? Apparently, apparently my phone, um, heard somebody say something and thought we were asking it a question. (laughs) Keeping that in. Yeah, that's fine. I earned it. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, I, well, what yeah. I was saying was, I'm, I'm sure it helps reinforce the decision-making process of having the surgery and not trying to play through it. Well, you you know he's not going to spend that little mini break at Christmas, sitting around eating, drinking. Like he's going to be working out on the ice, skating wherever he can skate. So. I don't know if I think he'll be back. I think there might be a little bit of a caution put in place with the training staff to say, like, listen, let's get you 100% back, and then let's go. But if Jesse's right, I'm very happy to be wrong. I think, you know, you got to remember how good he was when he was playing earlier this year with a sports hernia. And that ought to be like, oh, man, wow, this is going to be great. You know? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, if he, if he, <laughs> considering how good he was at the start of this year with a sports hernia, I'm excited to see what he can do after recovery when he's 100%. Um, I guess the question, people have said, like, oh, you know, don't break this lineup. You know, leave the the Rust, Malkin, Gensel line together. I think I'd leave Rust and Malkin together, but I'd probably give Crosby Gensel back. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I the, don't I said I definitely said this last week. Don't try to fix what isn't broken. Could be looking at uh, the return of Dominic Simone to the uh, top line. That's good. We we need something for people to complain about. So that'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> you know, on that note, it, he's got to score. He's got to bury some of these chances. I mean, like I know we all talk about the peripherals are always great. Yeah, I mean, if he would um, just bury, if he would just bury a few, everything would be fine. That's really would <laughs> everything literally would be fine. Yeah, I mean, um, I mean there, there's there's nothing wrong with saying he needs to score a couple, but if you're just completely flaming the guy because he hasn't, like, similar to what I was saying about the Murray Jari thing, like if you're intentionally ignoring the fact that when he's on a line with elite players in driving offensive play, you're just ignoring it to fulfill a narrative. Like, yeah, he needs to score a couple more goals, but he also is doing a lot of right things. And we are still very much in the time of the season where doing the right thing and committing to a process is important. Yeah, which if you are in that group of people who are cherry-picking one aspect of things and ignoring the other, sensible people realize that's what you're doing. Yeah. Um, I was going to mention that I was combing over. I think I've mentioned this to Pat earlier, Mike, but so this will be a, this will be, let's quiz Mike with having provided him with no study materials whatsoever. Oh, I like, man. <laughs> so, okay. So, so this just for, for 
honest purposes, this is basically how I handle tests. I like, I, <laughs> you just roll in. I like I like quizzing Mike, but but really only if it's uh, describing plots of movies poorly. But we can get to that. Another I did. Day. Hey, 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 I did well on that. You won. I mean. And two, by the way, that uh, before the show tonight, I was talking about the Irishman, um, and mistakenly like thought that I given a thought that Mike maybe had watched it, and like I'm in my head, I'm like, like he's never even seen a Star Wars, like you know what I mean? Like I'm here thinking about a three and a half hour movie about Jimmy Hoffa. This guy's never even seen a goddamn Star Wars. He's never seen a um, Star War. I like that you I like that you frame it as if it's like wars you need to. See. <laughs> like a singular <laughs> war. Um, all right, so Mike, here's your quiz. Okay, uh, this is from Corey uh, Schneider's uh, all three zone data. Okay, okay, and you're just gonna guess. Okay, this is the fun part. I, I, it's fill in the blank. Uh, no, so anyone on the roster? <laughs> I guess that's anyone. Yeah, I guess it is. Yeah, it's fill in the blank. See, fill in the blank's always bad when you don't prepare because you can't even make an educated. But guess. you have a you have a legend here, and the legend is Penguins players okay. this year. All right. All right. <laughs> it's not as if I'm going off. Of I, every I already, player just, I already in the decided. I already decided who I'm going to answer before I even hear the question. So let's go. Wow, this may change your tune though. Here, okay. I mean, okay. All right. So, looking at the data, what player would you say? has contributed to more shots. So we're talking about passes that result in shots. Who leads the team? John Marino. No. No. Was that you that was your pre that was your pre-picked answer? It was. That's not a bad one. Um I'll give you a hint. It's a forward. Okay. Um Jay Cancel. Also, no, not in the top two. It's right there, Mike. It is right there. So you've eliminated Gensel. I feel like Evgeny Malkin's too obvious of an answer. Okay, so he's number one. Okay. Okay. Now, who's number two? Number two, is it Brian Rust? No. It is not. It's Dominic Simo. See, that felt too obvious also. Well, I, I I put it right after a little Simone discussion and hope that's why I that's that it's like the segue. it's like when you when you take a test and it's multiple choice and, and you're like no that was too easy it's like there's no way that it can be C three times in a row. <laughs> oh, yeah. I used to do that too. So I'd be did like, I. No, like, oh, so then I'd be that. so then I'd be like, well, one of them's wrong, and then I change it to B, and I'm like, well, that makes three Bs in a row. That can't be. Or right. if you were taking a standardized test where you had to fill in the bubble with a lead pencil, yeah. You'd be like, there's no way that these all go diagonally three well, rows. And then in you're a row. like, I can't fucking erase this thing hard enough. <laughs> uh, um, take a, as you can tell, I'm not a good test taker. Yeah, no. Um, let's take a quick trip around the National Hockey League, shall we? We shall. Taylor Hall has been traded to the Arizona Coyotes. The return seemed to be blah from what I gathered. It's difficult to negotiate from a position of inferiority. Yeah, when you're dealing from a position of weakness, you're kind of behind the eight ball. Well, and to be fair, they all New Jersey also retained 50%. I mean, one has to think that they could have gotten more if they waited for the deadline. Yeah. Is Ray Shiro kind of getting flexed on? What do I you feel mean? like he did here. Like in general. 
I mean, I, like, I think it hurt him, the fact Well, people that, really hyped the Devils up preseason, Pat, right? Like, they were like, oh, the Devils are the sleeper pick in the Metro. Well, I, mean, I mean, when when our Pennsburg people were going through preseason predictions, everybody had them as a non-playoff team. I think I picked them as a wildcard team because I felt like they should at least be decent. Yeah, I was going to say, like, I, I don't think if you look at that, ro- that roster with Hall that they were exactly bad, per se. Like I agree with Mike. I think they would have been a wild card team. Like I just didn't think you couldn't predict this year as being as bad as it's been. And like I think what you were saying, Jesse, that is he being flexed on? I think if it would not have been as public as it was that they were looking to deal him, they probably could have done better. Okay. Excuse me. Like, because Ilya Kovalev. I was gonna say because you know how it goes. Like when, when as soon as it gets reported that Team A is looking to deal or is looking to acquire whatever, that instantly becomes a position of weakness because everybody now knows we're looking to do this, and now they know that's what your position is. Well, if they can get Phil Kessel going out there, uh, look out. Yeah, I mean, I mean the the line of Taylor Hall, Christian Dorak, and Phil Kessel. It's a good line. Ilya Kovalchuk is unemployed. Shocking. It, it, uh, here's it, the take. It, it, here's like, the take. He's okay. not good. He's not. And, and and it reminds me of the. Uh, how's he going to wriggle his way out of this one? And then all of a sudden, Ilya Kovalchuk signed with a new team again. Oh, I. I don't disagree. I think there's definitely going to be a team that somebody will take a flyer on him. I, I just I, I had uh, uh, Timothy Fielder sent me a tweet after he got released and was like, "What do you think?" And I was like, "I think he's absolutely washed. Like, if you can get him for a million or less, like, why the hell not? Like, take the flyer. But if you're going for any more than that, like, you are just not making a smart decision." Well, and I think also if you could designate a power play specialist, that'd be fine. But you can't do that. So, no. In today's <sighs> NHL, you absolutely cannot look for a specialist. And I'm not rolling, you know, three and two thirds lines, yeah. four and two. You know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Three, especially with the way the Penguins are going to play. Like to, to, to bring it back <laughs> to the Penguins. To bring it back to the Penguins, like the one thing that has been to their credit over the past few weeks is they have been able to roll four lines and be very good while doing it. You throw Kovalchuk into that, they might not be able to roll four lines, and that's just not what they're looking to do right now. Yeah. Um, did you guys – I hate to give this attention. How about, how about if I do this? Here's how we're going to do this. What if I float the theory and the take without mentioning the person responsible for it? That works because I don't. Here's the thing: because I well, want to, I want to talk about it, but I don't want to give this person attention. Yeah. Now, I mean, I'm also I'm torn on the topic in general because it's not like we're putting a link to it out there to people for people to click on. I you, I, under, I I agree with you in theory, though. Did you see the rumor that Kovalchuk is actually two years older than he actually is? I did not. That's the rumor I was going to address. How old is he reportedly? He is supposed to be officially per the NHL roster. How old is he? Thirty-six. And the rumor is he's thirty-eight. Yes. I mean, if you think is there really any difference between thirty-six and thirty-eight? 
Yeah. I think so. To some extent, right? I think I think how about this, Mike? How about this? I think so in the sense that if you're negotiating a contract under the assumption that someone is 36 and they're not, yeah. Okay. That's a problem. Yeah. Okay, that's a no, problem. So like, that this, two years is good to determine whether or not I give you an extra two years on the end of the deal. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, no, this all does make a little more sense because I did see a meme tweeted from somebody with um, the screen cap from the movie where it says, I am 12 with Elliot Kovalchuk's picture on it. Right. So I don't movie give – I don't – Yes, I couldn't, I I couldn't seen, think of the name. I've seen the source on this whiff. Um, I've seen the source on this grind axes. So I'm, you know, I take it with a grain of salt. However, however, in that era, it wasn't an uncommon, that is a verifiable fact that in that era, it wasn't an uncommon, it wasn't an uncommon practice at that time. Yeah. So I I could see it being true. I don't know the source of this, so I'm fine with not mentioning it. I'll tell you off the air. No, and I I, I sit in the same uh, boat as you, Jesse, like, I know that in that era it was a thing. Well, this is that's rule number one of the dying alive constitution is don't name names. Yep. And number two rule is no hate speech. Yep. It's only two rules. I only hate the both of you. <laughs> you just broke rule number two. Um, <laughs> the San Jose Sharks have fired Peter DeBoer. It, it was kind of amusing to me that when he got fired – Every, every national reporter was clarifying that he was fired because he sucks. He got fired because his goaltender sucked. Ah, yeah. you took it right away from me, Jesse. Ha! Snatched it away from you. Yeah, he, like he, taking he, candy he, from a small man. Just going to wait for Mike to chime in. I can hear the laugh. Were you drinking a rum and coke tonight, Mike? Mm-hmm. We haven't done a drink update yet, so I just wanted to make sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean... I really wish uh, that I, I hope they can get a coach in place that tells their goalies not to suck. <laughs> yeah. Whomst among us can say if that exists. Whilst that is true, their goalies have sucked. Um, looking over the week ahead, got the uh, Penguins versus the McDavid slash dry sidles. On Friday night <laughs> for a little evening matchup, um, and then a little, uh, little uh, Saturday night gig against the Canucks. My hope slash expectation: Western Canada road trip, three games, come away with two points from the back to back, and I'm cool. The likelihood is that Dying Alive will probably get another show in before Christmas. I would think so. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll um, we'll save our. We'll save our holiday wishes um, for another time. Who knows? Brian Russ keeps scoring like this. The ice caps melt. It may not be a good thing at all. Um, with that being said, Patrick, tune him up. Mike, do we have questions from the people? We do. I love that. Uh, let's see. <clears throat> First question is from Matt Schaefer. This was a good question. It says, what's one of your favorite lesser-known phone apps? He mentions Tunity. It allows you to stream audio from a TV channel. It comes in handy at noisy bars and restaurants. 
I got this one. I don't know if you guys have heard of it. It's called Twitter. Oh, shut up. <laughs> no, honestly, uh, my my real answer is more not a lesser known one, but I feel like an underappreciated one because it's really only used for apologies on Twitter. Uh, the notes app. I, <laughs> I, I do. Uh, I put a lot on my notes app that helps me in life. Yeah, I, I use the notes app um, when I'm out like taking photos for the paper and have to get names and like where people are from. I'll hurry up and jot them down in there real quick. I use the notes app to keep track of things people had said to me at bars when I was drunk when I was in college. <laughs> um, I have an app that I use. It's called Nature Melody. It plays like um, like sounds of rain, sounds of storms and oceans and whatnot. I use it to help fall asleep sometimes. This one's a quote. This is from um, June 8th, 2011. <laughs> this is from Oakland. Um I want to say this is from Hemingway's. Could you imagine if I hit the Powerball? (laughs) (laughs) This is twelve thirty nine a.m. By the way, that's pretty good. So so, I mean, that's good. It gives you. I'm not done yet. I'm not done. The quote is just under. This is just the beginning. Could you imagine if I won the Powerball? (laughs) I'd bring all that money in here in a wheelbarrow. Everybody would be washing their grundles <laughs> with $20 bill piles. <laughs> the thank you random man in Hemingway's, June 8th, 2011, for spitting that one out. That's a good one. Uh, let's see here. Zach T. asks, do you guys have a favorite bridge in town? Did he not also ask if we had a least I'm, favorite? Wait, I was going to give the follow-up after. Okay. All right. So do we have a favorite bridge? I'm partial to the trio of Clemente, Warhol, and Carson. Yeah, I was going to say Clemente just because for when the Pirates for that rare few years were good, like walking across the Clemente to a Pirates game just felt right. I also like the um, design of the McKees Rocks Bridge. I am not accepting opinions about this. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to give you this take. Okay, and then I am not accepting your responses. Okay, what if my response is part of the follow up? I don't want to hear about jurisdictions. I don't want to hear about any of that shit. Okay, my answer is the Amber Jalaquipa Bridge. So basically, you don't want to hear anything about jurisdictions. No, because I understand it's in Beaver County. But I took I drove across that bridge every goddamn day on my way to school. Like that's my favorite bridge. It's a that's favorite fair. Bridge. That's the fair. Way, and not only that, the way it's nooked into the Ohio, like two big hills on either side. <laughs> like it's just a very unique scene for me. The old J and L steel mill there. It's very. I'm also also underrated. Is I think is the Panther Hollow Bridge. Well, I would say in that case, Jesse, then I'm picking the Halton Bridge because I passed that a lot to go to Blade Runners in Harmerville where I won a lot of hockey games when I was playing hockey. That's an acceptable answer. Now, if you wanted to strictly limit me to downtown bridges, West End. Good. Okay. good, good. Now, now, the follow-up. Is one of the bridges your mortal enemy? Smithfield Street. Yeah. For what, for what reason? I hate that bridge. I walked across the Smith, which, so when I went to Point Park, um, I parked in Station Square. This is mm-hmm. at the time where, like, Margarita Mamas was there. Yeah. 
shouts out to mama's RIP. Um, but that parking lot was really cheap. And if you got there before eight o'clock in the morning, you could get like this day pass or whatever. But anyway, I had to walk across the Smithfield street bridge every single day. And in, in the winter, there's just nothing worse. Yeah. You can feel that always hold a grudge. You can feel that bridge move a lot. And the wind off the Mon is ferociously brutal. Um, I just hate driving across that bridge. It's such a circus. I, as I have grown older, I have gotten more used to it. But for a new driver, the Fort Pitt Bridge is brutal. Ooh, yeah, oh, yeah. Totally <laughs> Both directions. Yeah. If you're, coming- if you're not in, like, imagine going into the Fort Pitt Bridge, like, as a newbie in the far right lane, oh. needing to get. You see what I'm saying? Like, yeah. the, or you get to like the the 10th Street bypass. Yeah, or, or if you're coming from the North Shore, the other direction, trying to get to um, the left lane. Yeah, trying. Yeah. Oh. Anyway. Sorry, I was dying. That's fine. Uh, Jake Kiefer asks, hot chocolate or hot apple cider? I like a hot toddy. It's a good choice. Hot chocolate. I'm I'm just not a cider guy. <clears throat> I never have been. Do you do marshmallows, Pat? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I'm good with both. Um, I did recently acquire some homemade apple pie moonshine, though. Really good. Yeah, I was going to say, a good asterisk on that is, like, I don't dislike cider. I just probably prefer hot chocolate. Yeah. There you go. Uh, Kevin asks bourbon or rye, but then he quickly followed up with bourbon or scotch. I'd probably go bourbon. Rye. I'd probably go with none of the above. I'd probably go with heartburn. <laughs> I also went to, uh, I also went to rye in the last couple of weeks and they have some unreal drinks. I would probably. Have you guys been to taco yet? Yeah. Oh Is yeah. Is it good? Yeah, oh yeah. yeah very good. Unreal. I was going to say, I would probably just be my trash self and stick to Fireball. Um, you know what I've been really into lately is Moscow Mules. Very good. Very good. Yes, absolutely. Better, I think better for summer, but still very good. Yeah. Solid solid <clears throat> drink choice in uh, in the holiday season, though, Moscow Mules. Yeah. Um, I don't have an answer for this question. Daniel asks, best album of 2019. Uh, it's very obviously Rob Thomas and Carlos Santana's Smooth, as it has been for the last few years. My honest-to-God answer here is it, it, it's maybe it's because it's so recent and it's fresh in my mind. I just really enjoy Action Bronson's Slam Over Rice. I, yeah, That's I will give you that. That was real good. <clears throat> uh, Dan Fowler asks, best store... T- what uh, what's the best store to be forced to go shopping with your girlfriend or wife at? He says TJ Maxx isn't cutting it for him. What is wrong with you? TJ Maxx rules. Um, Target's kind of dope. Yeah, I was gonna say I'm very single, but Target's good. Um, My wife doesn't take me to Target because, um, she becomes an uncontrollable mess when she's there and I like, think that I feel like that's easy to do at Target. Yeah. I only, I only So I'll get like text messages that'll be like I went <laughs> I, I only I only recently had a girlfriend so the whole 
shopping thing hasn't happened yet, so yeah. That's my vote, man. Target. Make the best of it. Uh Laura asks John Marino for Calder. Man, if Kale if Kale McCarr didn't exist, the answer to that question yeah. would be can can I say something about the Kale McCarr for Calder? She, okay, uh, actually, in fairness, she may have phrased it as uh, John Marino for Calder finalist. I think I wrote that down wrong. I mean, I could see it, but can I say something about the Kyle McCarr thing for Calder? Mm. One of the things I've seen a ton of people like pushing for, and I agree, Kale McCarr is probably going to be and should be the winner of the Calder. <laughs> I've seen a ton of people frame Kale McCarr for winner Calder as look at his war. Like nobody like very few people know what war is. Like stop using his war as why he needs to win the Calder. I mean, not even that people know what it is. People don't vote using that. I I look at it this way. I and this is the way I'm going to vote is I think Kale McCarr is a more impactful player for the Avalanche right now. Oh, 100%. And it's it's crazy to say that with how big of a deal John Marino's been. But, like, you got to remember, like, John Marino at the beginning, it was kind of like dip your toe in the pool for him, right? Like, yeah, Kale McCarr just, like, you take, threw him if, into the pool. If you take <laughs> Kale McCarr out of the Avalanche roster, it's more impactful. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I just think, yeah, I mean, I think he's just been better, and, and it's not by a large margin. And, and, and like you said, Jesse, like, Marino was very much, a, oh, let's see how this guy does. And all of a sudden, he was really good. Yeah. And um, continues to be really good, by the way. Another John Marino question from Jeremy asks, what do you think of Marino and how he played last night, especially since he tallied almost 30 minutes of ice time? Which is unbelievable. Um, remember, too, that the difference here is that, um, you know, college games were a little bit more spread out. Um, you know, they weren't – it's kind of like the way it works in, in the ECHL and the AHL where they really packed in the weekend, right? Mm-hmm. So you have these long stretches of like not playing packed in with these like small stretches of play, play, play. But the, what, I mean, you're looking at like 38 games, right? Like max in a year. I mean, that's including, you know, scrimmaging and playing, you know, the national development team and, you know, whatever else. So the, it'll be interesting to see what happens, say, in like February. Yeah. Right. Because that'll be the point where like Marino's never been. And I don't want to make this sound like I'm doubting him. Right. I'm not doubting John Marino. I'm just saying we, it's something to keep an eye on. I think I also think just I, given, I also think one of the bigger things is once you get to this level at the NHL, more so than the AHL, the ECHL, college and junior is the game is a lot more structured. Like there's a like, you know, we can hand ring about parody and blah, 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 like the game at the NHL level is a lot more structured. Teams play very much within a system. And the fact that he's been able to fit into one at this young of an age and with this little experience is really a lot to say about. Yeah. Um, Jeremy also had a follow-up. Would you be interested in having a header designed for your Twitter? Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Oh Yeah. Why not? As long as you're willing to do it for internet clout, and that's yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, we ain't paying. <laughs> I, will, I will give an internet high five. Yeah. I'll give you a couple solid retweets. <clears throat> Maybe even a few likes. What else we got? Uh, Kevin Reuter asks, what are you asking Santa for this Christmas? I Honest to goodness, you know what I asked Santa for? Two things. Uh, specifically the first one 
was it's a fan for your desk that runs off your USB. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's super convenient because right now uh, I don't have a fan and I want one. It's always hot in my house. And then the other thing, <laughs> and then uh, the other thing I asked for was a Witcher Three for Switch. Um, I I was asking for a very specific Bushnell Golf Rangefinder, and it just so happened that I got one yesterday. Ooh. So it looks mm. like Mike's going to keep kicking my ass on the golf course this summer. I'll, I'll share it. <laughs> um, I honestly haven't really thought about it yet, to be honest. Um, no, well, you better start, Pat, because... <laughs> I mean, Here we go I mean, one of the things I want, one of the things I definitely want is a Carolina bunch of jerks T-shirt. I love that shirt. It's one of my yeah. It's great. Uh, <clears throat> John Hill asks, "Who is your favorite Dark Ages Penguins player from 01 to 06? First off, shout out to John Hill. He was one of my best friends when I worked for the Nailers. Like I miss Hill so much. Um, and it's definitely Rico Fada. I'm going to go Konstantin Koltsov. Stole mine. I'm going to go with Joseph Melikar. I wanted I, – I had to look back on what year it was. I wanted to say Neil Zeckman, but then I saw that was 06, 07. Elon Kraft was in the mix for me too. Oh, man. I forgot about Kraft. Um, John also asks, what's your favorite cookie at Christmas time? Snickerdoodle. I think I mentioned this last week in the fog of the episode. Um, the – cookies with the uh, mini peanut butter cups in them i agree with jesse snickerdoodle elite can i also mention i'm coming around on gingerbread yeah um i actually around. i was actually watching a video recipe this week for um chocolate truffles and they had some like gingerbread seasoning in them and then they took a ginger snap and kind of grated it on top of the chocolate mm. look pretty good yeah gingerbread's good I'll, I'll, gingerbread underrated uh let's see question from pit hoya fan have we seen enough yet to get an idea for which teams may provide a better or worse matchup in the playoffs i think i would say no only because we haven't seen the team healthy yeah that's what i was gonna say i think given how injured the penguins are right now it's really hard to make a determination on who would be a good or bad playoff opponent you know, I will say I, I, I'm gonna. Well, I do. While I agree with both of you, I will say I would have more confidence in the Penguins this year against a team that likes to trap, a la the Islanders, to be more disciplined and play through it this year. I can see it. Yeah. How much? How much of that comes from having four games of them being trapped out of the game from the playoffs last year? Like knowing I, knowing what not to do. None. <laughs> I mean, when I know, seriously, like when I think loud. of it, it's just like the roster composition's better. Okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see. I also think uh, we're definitely back to these guys really buying into Mike Sullivan. I think there was a not a lot, but just a tiny bit of disconnect last year to where like they had the two cup wins, they had a razor's edge series loss against the caps the year before. So they were kind of like, Oh, we're the penguins. We're going to do whatever we want to do. And we're going to win. I thought it was interesting last night. And and perhaps to your point, Michael, um, that Mike Sullivan was asked by Rob Rossi after the game. What did you say 
you know, <laughs> at the end of the first period. And it kind of referenced the fact that, like, you know, we jokingly said a couple episodes ago the first periods are canceled, right? Yeah. Um, and it kind of played out that way again last night and against L.A. Um, so the discussion was, like, is this a tactical thing? And Mike Sullivan's response was, let me tell you right now, buddy, I wasn't talking about tactics at the end of the first period. That came on. <laughs> like, wasn't a whole lot of systems discussion going on in that well, locker room. I know. Room. I think it was during – it might have been late in the second or earlier in the third. Somebody took a bad slashing penalty. And the camera just had Sullivan giving it to and everybody on the bench. And he oh, there, was some, there was something else last night Dude. against the Flames. Uh, Galchenyuk had a real bad turnover in the D zone. And uh, Bork on the radio was like, Mike Sullivan is losing his mind on the bench right now. And I was like, oof. I said on Twitter, I was like, he's massacring his gum. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he was taking it out on that gun. Yeah, I, I know. Then, I I caught at he, least one strong. What the fuck after the slashing penalty? No, so I don't even think that's what it was. See, here's here's what my take on this is, and this is also based on just piecing together like some of the things that got repeated last night. He there was this after Teddy Bluger's penalty. Bluger had the bizarre phantom offensive or defensive zone penalty, like late second period. Right. Yeah. Uh, I don't think he was crazy about that call. I wasn't either. And when they showed the replay of it, I remember thinking like, wow, it's really weak. Um, and he was on the bench and he's just gnawing on the <laughs> gum. Right. And he, he yells out the pow- the penalty killers. <laughs> right. So, and all he says is each individual last name. Right. So he's gnawing on the gum and he's like, Rust. Blech. Marino, Blech. <laughs> and then they all get up, and then he just goes, "Fuck!" <laughs> <laughs> so I thought it was so funny because he's like gnawing on that gum, shaking his head, and he just calls out four names, and then yells at the you know at the top of his lungs, just, just, just drops com- the bomb, just completely anguishing. Yeah, yeah it's great. It's so funny to think that like just a couple years ago, he barely had any gray hair. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, got two more. Uh, another one from Laura. What would have happened at the end of the movie Sudden Death? It was game seven overtime, but the igloo was destroyed, so the Penguins <laughs> lose their home ice. Would they replay it in a neutral location? I wonder if they would pick a game up at the, and play a sudden death or if they would replay the entire game. It's a good question. Perhaps we should reach out to the... NHL front office. <laughs> Can we get Jean-Claude Van Damme on the line too? Yeah. He ain't doing anything right now, is he? Yeah. <laughs> Shouldn't be too hard of a get. Uh, last question is from Hammer. What's one of life's little bonus moments of awesome? Um, he says he enjoys a good Q-tip session. I think anytime you find money in your pants out of the dryer or something you didn't yeah, know you had especially when you go back to a different or an old winter coat oh it's that time speaking of it's that time of year where you start your car in the morning like if you're if you're lucky enough to have a remote start and you step in and it's warm uh, i don't i don't have a remote start but i do run out and start it and then come back in yeah oh it's the best um we also got another question two weeks in a row that you didn't read Really? Yeah, about the nature of the name of the podcast. Oh, that's right. We do. Have, oh, we do oh, have to go yeah, 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 yeah. I I saw that and I forgot about it when I saw his other question. Um, it's a Yarmir Yager quote. It is from the period of time where there was rampant speculation 
with regards to his future at the team. Late 90s? Yeah, he wasn't playing particularly well at the time and said that he felt as if he was dying alive. Let me find it. I'm looking it up. I feel like I'm dying alive. I feel like I'm... Yager, if I'm not mistaken, this weekend, by the way, scored four goals. Um, And he is, what, 47 now? Yeah, I believe he scored four this weekend. Okay, so here's the story. From December 10th, 2000. I feel like I'm dying alive. I don't feel comfortable here right now, said Yager, who wasn't even in the top 10 in scoring... Two months into the season, this is from the Los Angeles Times. It's not the same for me right now. We'll see what happens. Maybe I'm going to think about retirement pretty soon. And that was almost 20 years ago. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. He mentioned after the fact, years later, that he regretted the way that that came across. And it's not the way... Like it got taken in a way that he wasn't, you know, it was a language barrier thing. Which about 10 years after you get drafted into the NHL, that's maybe not the best excuse, but he also like, he was absolutely that guy that came to play hockey and nothing else. No, a hundred percent. And he went on to have one hell of a playoff run that year. Yep. And he is 47 going be 48 in February. Gentlemen, anything that you uh, would like to plug? I got nothing. I want to make note that in the rundown for this week's episode, Mike wrote Liverpool are very good, and I'm just deleting that. Thank you. For, thank you for at least mentioning it before deleting it. Well, I don't feel like we need to talk about it, Mike, because it's, it's so it's, goddamn obvious. And I'm it's, so it's obvious. It's understood. I just felt like it was worth mentioning. Actually, really, it was. I felt I really it was worth like mentioning. To not be relegated, Mike. Okay, I'd really like to not be relegated. I felt it was worth mentioning because while I was typing the rundown, Liverpool was playing. You two and they won. Are you two done? Yeah. Shut up. Sure am. Go read Jeff's piece about Chris Letang. It's a great chronicle about how Chris Letang is incredible. I got a little something coming tomorrow about you know these games where the Penguins you kind of fart it up in the first period and then come back in the second and take the game back over. I think I've got a little something on video that's sort of the common thing that helps tie these games together, systematically speaking. And it's not a change uh, to Mike Sullivan's point. It's a mindset. Interesting. I look forward to reading it. Um, all right. Well, uh, another episode of Dying Alive in the books, and we all live to tell about it. I'm proud of you guys. Thanks. For um, I th- <clears throat> I'm starting to turn the corner health wise, I think. Hey, you've been saying that for <laughs> a year. <laughs> I'll believe it when I see it. Me too. Uh, see you guys.